1: Welcome to Invest Talk. Above average Investing for the Average Investor. We try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have, as long as they're financial. Okay, remember we love beginner questions, so we welcome your question at 888-99 chart. Now, what is the question? You told us some time ago how to a couple of methods to figure the value of a stock. Would you repeat those for me? Certainly, I'd be happy to, Jay. There's two very easy ways. Now, these, of course, are not the only ways, Jay. But these are two very easy, quick ways to do it so you can get an idea if you're overpaying or underpaying for a stock. The first one is takes next year's earnings per share. Next year's earnings per share. Let's say it's a dollar per share next year. Not this year, the future. You want to know what the future is. And let's say that earnings per share grew 20%. So this year maybe the earnings per share is 85 cents and next year it's going to be a dollar and it grew about 20%. Okay. All you do is take 20 that percent, 20, the number 20 times next year's earnings per share of a dollar and that stock is worth about $20. Where do
2: you get those numbers?
1: There's a number of places, they're all over the internet. You go to MSN Money, you can go to Yahoo Finance. And all these will give you earnings projections for next year, and tell you what the earnings are this year, per share. I see. And then all you do is look at it and say, oh, okay. They may not give you the percentage, but they'll tell you, okay, the company made seventy-two cents per share this last year, and the analysts expected to go to a, uh, earn a dollar twenty next year. Well, gee, well, how much is that? That's fifty cents. That's about an eighty percent increase. Yep. Eighty times next year's earnings per share. That's the stock price. That's the number one. The second one is you should never pay more than about two times the market capitalization for the sales that the company is making. So let's say the company is selling a billion dollars worth of product and the total market capitalization is five billion dollars. What is a market capitalization? Simple number. It's a number of shares outstanding times the price of the shares. That number is $5 billion and they're only selling $1 billion. That means that's more than two times sales. That's not a very good number. Never pay more than four times sales. That's a very bad number. So that just gives you an idea of the overall bigness and how much sales to relationship is. And that's important relationship. Those are two ways to evaluate a stock. Very fine. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thank you.
3: Managing multiple mutual funds, researching professional services, where to put your savings. If it's about money and if it's important to you, we want to know more about it. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART is how to reach Steve or Justin right now on Invest Talk.
4: Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Kevin calling from Southern California. I've been looking at municipal bonds, trying to figure out if getting some exposure to that Is good to diversify my fixed income portion of my uh, investment portfolio. I am in the highest tax bracket again. And I'm wondering, is it better to buy a higher coupon rate with a higher price bond or a lower priced bond with yield to worst being equal? Trying to get an idea of what are the best options. Thanks again, as always.
5: All right, Uh, glad you made that point about being in the highest tax bracket. That certainly is pretty much the most important factor when you're looking at municipal bonds. What tax rate are you in? It only pretty much makes sense for those that are in the highest tax bracket. Now, should you buy, basically he's asking, should I buy municipal bonds that are yielding little and are at a steep discount? Or that have higher coupons and a of a discount. Most of them are at discounts now, right? because of where interest rates are, are have moved. <clears throat> but a lot of this is more of a, once again, a tax question because when you get those coupon payments, you're going to, uh, well, I guess you're not you're not getting taxed. Now this yeah, I always think of this on corporate side, but you're not getting taxed either way. <clears throat> I guess it would be your income needs. That would be the biggest question is what income are you trying to get off of this of these bonds? If it's a necessity for you, then you want to hire a coupon. But if you're just trying to get a portfolio diversifier and you're trying to get a good after-tax yield, then I don't think it would matter. Anything to add, Luke? Yeah, I think it pretty much
4: comes down to how would you like to see the gains from holding those bonds. If you need income, like you said, then you're probably more wanting to have municipal bonds with higher coupon payments because it's going to be more regular income rather than just getting it from that capital gains uh, aspect of holding a bond. But I think that, like you said, it, it comes down to making sure that you're in a tax bracket that makes this beneficial and then figuring out what the purpose of holding these bonds is for you.
1: Exactly. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now.
2: In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads surpassing $50 million, each Talk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24 7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99 Chart. You're listening to an encore
3: presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888-99-CHART 888-99 C H A R T and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
4: Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Owen from Redding, California. I'm going to ask on um, your opinion about the EV sector. I've been watching it for a while now and I've been wanting to get some exposure to it, but it seems overpriced. So, I've been watching X-Ping, NIO, Tesla, Nikola, and all the stocks seem either way overpriced to me or they seem like they're not a very good stock. So I was just wondering if you know of a cheaper stock that has a future that is in the EV market that's not so overpriced or overbought right now. Or if you are looking at a certain stock and you're looking for a drawback. Thanks and all listening on the podcast
1: now of course we cannot just bring up companies and tell you to invest in them another one the SEC wouldn't let us but don't just look at when you're talking about the electric vehicle market don't just look at the car companies look at where parts what parts do they get those from what the parts in that car come from somewhere they don't make them all I mean you know so look deeper Uh, And the technology that's really changing and a lot of money is being poured into it is the electric vehicle. In the electric vehicle industry is batteries. And that's why I suggest you look. So, remember, Volkswagen said all their cars are going to go electric in the next few years. Well, that's a lot of batteries being produced by somebody. So, widen your view. That's what I would say. And, you know, the big car companies also are going to go electric, Volkswagen, GM, GM just got uh, recently their price upgraded by some analysts because of the electric vehicles that they're coming out with. So think more globally.
2: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where each Friday, subscribers to the KPP Premium Newsletter receive a concise and highly informative summary of the week's financial and investment news, sent directly to their inbox. It really does give you a week that was roundup in a quick read. It also offers a look ahead and various process and term explanations that will be interesting to every investor. So you should be thinking about subscribing. You'll get targeted value formatted for fast consumption when you become a KPP premium newsletter subscriber at investtalk.com. The InvestTalk Radio 1 podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions eight 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 ninety nine chart.
4: Hello, Invest Talk, long time listener here. I really love your guys' show. Recently, I've started watching the Invest Talk Classroom as well, which is actually the inspiration for this question. It's about options trading, and in the short, you guys discuss how hitting singles in the long term would be better than hitting it big as the strategy goes and so i've done some research and have set up a paper trading account with my brokerage and have started buying some puts on at and and some regional banks um, and i've also tried to practice the covered call strategy on spy um, again just to get experience I, I plan on doing this for a while but i wanted to see that you know if this strategy is you know what you guys are referring to. When you say hitting singles, something simple. I know there's it seems like quite a bit other option strategies out there, and um, I wanted to see if this is simple and effective, or if I should expand upon you know, some of the options trading strategies that are out there. I figured that you know if the dudes decide to cut rates, perhaps even purchasing or buying calls, you know, transitioning to that strategy could be better at a time where they're making cuts rates. So again, just three simple strategies. Are those sufficient or should I expand upon other options? Uh, Just looking forward to your answer on the podcast. Uh, Hopefully this question makes sense, but um, I will definitely listen in as always. Thanks.
5: Well, when I refer to hitting Singles and doubles. Uh, it's more about selling options. Now, covered call is similar to that, right? You own the underlying and you're selling a call option, typically out of the money, and you're earning some sort of yield on that. Uh, and you know, we run a cover- we run a covered call strategy for clients, and we typically roll them out uh, anywhere from 30 to 60 days uh, from current day. Uh, So, for example, we're beginning to think, start rolling uh, November expiration out to December. Um, Even though there is still a few weeks, a couple weeks left until uh, November expiration, that's what we're trying to to do opportunistically. And the reason we do that is because there's time decay that you're capturing when you're selling short-dated options. And long-term, that's very effective. But it takes work, right, because you you're not just setting it and forgetting it you're 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 managing it etc. So when I think of singles and doubles I think of strategies like cover calls, cash secured puts, iron condors are another another one to look at where you you're mainly getting credits for selling to option buyers. Most option buyers they lose the vast majority of the time. Now, when you buy options, you are typically going for more like home runs, and sometimes grand slams, especially if you're buying short dated options. The current DT, zero DTE options on the S and P, for example, uh, a good example of that. People just buying these options that <clears throat> literally expire at the end of the day and trying to play a move in markets, a major move, and you know you can turn options that are worth pennies into options that are worth dozens of pennies, and that can be a huge return. But that's very few and far between. and the vast – it's kind of like gambling, right? You can – or I think of it more like hitting a parlay, right? If you ever gamble, you could hit one game, maybe go on a streak of two or three. Now, if you parlay a bunch of them together, you can turn a $10 bet into thousands and thousands of dollars. But if you know anyone that tries to bet parlays, they're very rarely hit. And the vast majority of the time – You know, you bet five games on a parlay, four of them are going to hit, and one won't. Doesn't matter about the four. You lost one. So that's what option buying really is. It's trying to hit that home run. I like that you're paper trading, though. You're thinking about testing your, your strategy instead of just going in all at once without any expertise, without any discipline. And you're trying to hone in on what works for you. Now, you'll never really know until you actually put the money in, but at least paper trading is a much better start than just going in blindly. So, hope that helps.
1: You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you 888 99 chart, beginning our experience. We're here to answer your questions.
3: To an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888 99Chart is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888 992 4278. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Jason from New Hampshire, and I was calling to ask about my father in retirement. He's 58
4: right now and plans on retiring when he's 67. He doesn't have any retirement savings, but would like to start conservatively. And I'm just curious what would be the best approach slash strategy for, uh, strategy for him. for. would love to hear back from you. Thanks.
1: Okay, so he wants to be conservative. So he doesn't want to be fully in the mark, stock market. Because that's not conservative. That's aggressive. But what he can do is find an ETF or other type of investment that's not necessarily fully exposed to stocks. So it could be a, a balanced type of program. We have stocks and bonds. And he really should just keep buying it every paycheck or every month the same amount. That's called dollar cost averaging. And just keep doing it for the next 10 years. Just keep doing it no matter if the market goes down or up. Just keep doing it. And he'll have a decent amount of money when he retires. Now, since he's getting such a very late start, he, you know, unless he puts a lot of money away every month, you know, he's not going to have that great of a. A great of a pile of money to live on in retirement. But he's gotta have some other other sources of income. Social security or whatever else. Gotta you gotta got figure that out. Very, very important. All
5: right, now when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk Podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Barb in Brooklyn says, What are your thoughts on buying ten or thirty year treasury bonds now? Well, it depends on your time horizon. I've said I think we're close to an inflection point on rates. So you're starting to see that momentum of rates going up reversing. And the odds are increasing that there will be a rate cut by second quarter next year. There's now a 37.5% chance that in the May meeting of next year, so that's right in the middle of that second quarter, that the Fed funds rate will be lower than it is today. It's pretty high. That's very high, especially if you you consider a month ago, one month ago, those odds were at about 3%. Now we're at 37.5%. That's a big change. And so if you're talking about a trade only, yes, 10, 30-year, that's duration. That's a duration trade. Sure. But as a long-term hold, no. What I think is going to happen is you're going to go through a rate-cutting cycle, but they're not going to go back to zero. They can't. Because inflation will rage too hard. And so they're going to mildly cut rates. You'll go through a rate-cutting cycle. And you'll bottom at a much higher level than we did before, right? An uptrend. Make a higher low. You know, do we pull back from 5% in the 10-year to 3.5? I think that's very possible in this cycle. But I don't think we're going back down to 1%, 2%. We're now in this longer-term uptrend in rates. Due to inflation as well as our fiscal position. And so there's the secular cycle that I'm talking. That's a secular cycle, long-term trend. And then there's a cyclical cycle for the cyclical cycle. Yes. I think we're late cycle of this economic expansion. There'll be a mild recession next year, which will precipitate a rate cutting cycle that will give a rally to 10 year bonds, 30 year bonds, etc. But inflation will not stay down. They will stay Three, four, 5%. And then you'll get a turn back up. Now, is that a year? Is that 12 months from now? Is that 24 months from now? Is that 36 months from now? I'm not sure. We'll see. See how it goes. Hard to call it from here. But with everything, you always have to look at your time horizon. So, short to medium term, yes. Long term, absolutely not.
1: Let's go to Gary in San Jose. How are you doing, Gary?
5: Well,
4: I have a question on uh, gold reserves of uh, foreign countries that are in sovereign debt. Okay. And if they start selling their gold to get out of their debt, what would that do to the market of gold?
1: Well, of course, it depends on how big their gold reserve is, Gary. I mean, if it's huge, it would definitely put a huge downward pressure on the gold price. But most likely, if you're talking about a normal country or average sized country, it won't probably do much to the gold price. It probably won't because they have, what they'll do, Gary, is they'll hide the fact that they're selling it. You won't know until after the fact. You know, because they also yeah, hide to hide the fact that they're buying it. You know, China does. India does. Everybody does.
4: I've never heard anyone talk about uh, the sovereign debt in relationship to their gold reserves.
1: Yeah, most of the time because they hold on to the gold reserves because it's worth something. They usually don't talk about it because they, they don't usually sell it. And if they did, it would be a function of their uh, Federal Reserve, whatever they would call theirs in their country. And that would be a secret kind of behind the scenes thing going on to gather some money. Then they would announce it to us, and we would even never know about it. I listen to your show every day. Well, I appreciate that, Gary. Thanks for the call. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. And keep up the good work. Thank you. And Taylor has a question in Los Angeles. Hi, Taylor. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thank you for the call. appreciate it. My question is about rolling
4: over my 401k to my Um, IRAs. I'm in my 20s, and I'm wondering, since I'm getting a cash disbursement to my IRA. Should I worry about current prices right now when buying into new stocks, or is my time horizon just too far that it doesn't matter about finding good buying opportunities?
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much because you're so young. Um, yeah, the market might be a little pricey in certain sectors, but other sectors are not. I mean, there there are places that you can put it that are not over. Uh, but I think time in the market is much more important than trying to time the market. You can't time the market. so. You know, if we were on the cusp of a recession, I might suggest, well, why don't you just wait till the recession happens, then put all the money in, you know, at the, at the recession, because the stock market tanks on a recession. But we're not on the cusp of a recession. It's not going to happen for a little while. So I, I'm thinking that you want to put the money in. I don't think you should wait. I really don't. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley, and we're here to help you get better results if we can with your invested dollars. That's our goal. Do you have a question? Check in now, Eight 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 ninety nine chart
5: Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy and where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone with millions of users, With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
3: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 ninety nine CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
2: Hello, it's Andrew from Atlanta. I was uh, trying to reach Justin, Steve, or Luke. I have a question. LG Energy Solution, I do not have the ticker symbol. It's called LG Energy Solution, and Toyota signed long-term battery supply agreement to power electric vehicles in the U.S. Can you tell me if you know anything about LG Energy Solution? I appreciate the show, I look forward to hearing your
6: analysis, and I hope
5: you guys have a great weekend. Thank you. Well, LG Energy Solutions is a subsidiary of LG Electronics, a South Korean company. Now, they do have, they they are listed overseas, so not a company that you can invest in directly here on our exchanges, Uh, but... You know, you're not getting a per- pure play here. LG is a, 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 as you know, probably, they make consumer products in many areas. Obviously, televisions is, is one. Uh, they make mobile communication equipment. They make home appliances. They sell washing machines, refrigerators, etc. So it's a very well-diversified business. If you want to go invest in LG, that's what you're going to get as well as exposure to that that deal. Uh, I wouldn't be buying LG electronics just simply because they made some deal with Toyota. The deal is more about, I think, joint investment, and that's what's happening. They're investing approximately three billion dollars into its M- Michigan battery facility. And I think this is very similar to what Tesla did with I think I believe it was Samsung, if I'm remembering correctly, and they did a joint venture. In fact, Samsung owns the vast majority of that and it kind of controlled it. I'm not sure about this particular deal. But once again, it's not a reason for me to go out there and buy LG just for that. Okay.
1: Okay. Let's go to Jerry in Pittsburgh. Hi, Jerry. Uh, what I'd like to ask is your philosophy on
4: managing a, a 401k account okay. that all your choices are either mutual
1: funds, index funds, or bonds. Right. How to best manage. Good question. For all you 401k people out there, you are in charge of running your own money and you probably need some help. One of the things I would suggest right now is stay away from the bond funds in those 401ks. That means no bond funds. And that means no mixed funds or no balanced funds if they have bonds. Most balanced funds are stocks and bonds. If interest rates are going to rise, your bond fund portion of your portfolio will suffer. Yes, you'll get a nice dividend of 3 4%, whatever it is, 5%, I don't know. The net asset value may go down 5%, 10 15%. What good is the 3 and 4% of the whole thing? When the interest rates are rising, that's where you stay away from bonds. You should probably move Gravitate, if in your 401k, over to more of the mid-cap value, small-cap value, large-cap value. The value side of the market versus the growth side is where I would be more comfortable in, if you have those choices. And don't hesitate to have a little bit in international. Okay. Okay? Thanks a lot.
3: Do you have questions about FDIC security, mortgages, money market funds, losses to your retirement plans? Give us a call today, 888-99-CHART.
4: One of the things that I was thinking about doing was just going straight down the line and, you know, selling, say, 5% of every holding that I have. I do have a little over 40 different positions in a range of categories. I'm moving more towards, obviously, the big, safe, blue-chip companies But my question is specifically, if I were to take this strategy, if you think this is a decent strategy in the next, let's say, couple of weeks or months, would you just go straight down the line and or what companies would you keep? What types of companies would you not sell? In other words, should I keep some of my gold mining positions? Should I keep my position in Apple, which I just fundamentally bought and decided to hold for the long term? Anyway, that's kind of where I'm going. Thank you so much. Have a good
5: day. Well, I definitely wouldn't go just straight down the line and sell 5% of everything. That's just a willy-nilly lack of a plan. You're just chopping everything off for no reason. You want to have reasons. And the companies want to keep. uh, I think there's two, two main categories. Companies that will benefit from an inflationary environment, from a geopolitical environment that is more volatile. And an environment where governments are spending a lot of money, have terrible debt situations, and are going to have to probably monetize that debt. And so harder assets in general. But everyone's kind of overvalued, I think, IP, digits in the sky versus hard assets in the ground. So think of it that way. That doesn't mean you go and sell Apple because we like Apple. I think still, you still have to have room for the digits in the sky, the very, very strong businesses that are going to thrive no matter what. And I think Apple's a good example of that. And then the second category are companies that have bad balance sheets, have a lot of debt, and they don't have the cash flow to sustain that debt. If you have those in your portfolio, then you need to get rid of those. Those would be on the chopping block first and they're not always the smaller ones sometimes the smaller ones have good balance sheets sometimes the larger ones don't so you don't want to think of it that way as well you have to do your research
3: our invest talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com.
6: How's it going, Steve and Justin? This is Aaron from Virginia. I'm a longtime listener and also fortunate to have you guys managing my portfolio, and I appreciate everything you guys do. So my question is in regards to the stock market as a whole. I'll hear people say things like the stock market is not tied in with the economy. The stock market is manipulated or the stock market, this is something that you guys like to say, is forward leaning. Now, when people say the stock market, is the stock market, obviously, I know it's a a group of stocks from companies that have gone public, but the stock market, when it comes to it being controlled, is it controlled by a select group of people? that get unfiltered data also as far as people saying the market is manipulated who would be the people that or thing that can manipulate the market you know for example i will hear someone talk about uh, the qqq and it'll shoot up and someone will say there's no volume to this this is manipulation is that a software algorithm uh that shoots it up based on something that was input by a person or Is that just something random that happens? I don't know if this question makes sense, but it's just something I always wondered, you know, is the stock market run by people or run by kind of a computer?
5: Well, great question. Uh, Long question, and I'll kind of, I'll try to break it up in a a few parts. Uh, Is the stock market manipulated it more broadly? No. You know, are there, uh, I think the most manipulation within the stock market happens at option X. Uh, I, I compare it to like a bookie, in in vegas how lines are made in vegas is the bookie just wants to have an equal amount on both sides of the bet and whatever whichever side pays off you know they're gonna they're gonna get their their cut right they'll lose on one side make money on the other but their payout to one the other side is less than their payout or they made on the other side so they're always trying to move the line to keep that kind of in the middle and that happens with Option X, where there are uh, option positions about to expire. And market makers, oftentimes at big banks, they're trying to get that amount or get that price of the stock to expire where there's the most pain. There's actually a website called maxpain.com, I believe it is. And you can see each option X where there's the most amount of notional options outstanding either side of a particular strike price on a stock. And so there can be shorter term manipulation games, especially the week of option X. So there can be weird moves in that time. Now, if the queues go up and let's, let's pivot over to your question about the queues going up on low volume, that's manipulated. No, in fact, most of the time stocks go up on low volume. That's, a, that's what the Santa Claus rally is. Less people involved, less more people on vacation, worried about the holidays. And a lot of it is flows too. Just money flowing into index funds, 401ks, etc. And so the natural inclination for the market is to kind of float higher. And when there's low volume, it means there's not a lot of sellers out there, that flow into the market tends to push the market higher. So you get a low volume float. Now could there be a news event that kind of pushes price a little bit more, and having the market, having buyers, other buyers besides those natural flows into the market, be more aggressive? Sure, that can happen. Now another area I would say there's manipulation. I say I would say is within the Fed and government, and it's not directly, but it's more indirectly, right? When you influence the cost of capital for example, the Fed funds rate that's going to manifest in the rest of the market. And so it's going to manipulate asset prices in that way. So you guess you can call that manipulation, but it's policy, right? That rate is not being set by the market. It's being set by a policymaker, by a bureaucrat. And those moves change behavior by the actors within the market. And so it's kind of manipulated indirectly. For example, QE. If the Fed is going out and buying assets, that means they are taking that asset out of the market and giving them cash, giving them dollars. And guess what? that entity is going to do something with those dollars. And oftentimes they're going to go invest it. Maybe in corporate bonds, maybe in equities elsewhere. So it's really just understanding incentives. And that's what moves markets are those incentives. And sometimes those are, I guess you could say manipulated, but more broadly no, it's not happening directly very often. But I would say, I could say, it may be happening indirectly with an eye towards, you know, economic growth or controlling inflation, for example. So I hope that was a long winded answer, I think, to a long winded question.
4: Hi, Justin and Steve. I am calling from Northern California and I have a question about earnings. Say if a company did good in earnings. Could it be possible the stock could just stay flat or go on its own journey instead of it going up or down? I appreciate uh, all you do. I've been listening for many, many, many years. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you.
5: No problem. Thanks for the call. And this is a good question. A lot of new investors, it can be difficult to understand the earnings season because there are kind of unexpected moves and unexpected non-moves, right? You could have a company beat earnings and everything will look great and the stock just kind of go nowhere. Sometimes it could go down. So I actually look at the price movement as a signal that the market is telling you something one way or the other. It is also not about last quarter. It's about the next quarter and really the next year. And what's adjustments the company makes to those earnings expectations. Because once again, the market is looking forward. It's not looking the rearview mirror. If it earned a dollar last quarter, but next quarter and next year it's going to lose money. What do you think the market cares more, more about? They care about why that company is now losing money going forward. They're not going to be too caught up in this earning a dollar last quarter. So don't think of earnings that way. Most of what the previous quarter results will be, those are priced in because those are signaled not only by the company, but also analysts. And there's an average street expectation for what companies will earn. So I look at the price movement and the future trends and earnings expectations more than what happened last quarter. You're going to get the headlines, oh, they beat by two cents or they missed revenue by X amount. That matters far less than the future of the business. And, and I also look at the differences between, say they upgrade their earnings expectations, or maybe they keep them flat, but the market goes down, you know, prices that stock lower. That's saying the, the stock was priced for perfection. And the future earnings expectations are not what the market was hoping for. And so that can be a signal as well that, hey, this recent run is over because it was too, it's priced too high, priced to perfection. Hey,
6: Steve and Justin. I got a question that probably some other people dealing with. I got a Chinese stock on my TD Ameritrade account. It went to zero or shows zero. Still have the shares there. But I called them and they said uh, if I transfer them to an out-of-country brokerage, I might be able to trade them. Um, do you know of an out-of-country brokerage that, someone can trust or do you think that that executive order would get reversed just ought to hang on and wait see what happens there thanks a lot for any information love the show Bye.
1: so he's referring to Chinese stocks that were delisted delisted from our exchanges by President Trump Uh, and so when they get delisted doesn't mean the company's gone bankrupt it just means that you can't trade them on our exchanges if you have a large enough custodian that will have like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan, they'll have foreign branches and you could probably sell it through that company. So give them a call, find out. And I wouldn't sell it just, I wouldn't get rid of it just because they're delisted. I think they might get relisted at some point with a new president. Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages, we're here for you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278.
3: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
4: Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Brandon from Northern California. I had a question on Roth IRA accounts. I'm sure you've answered it before, but I do not recall. So, when you're doing it, I know it's a tax deferred account. Until you retire and withdraw it, because it's already used, already tax money that's put in. I'm just curious about the dividend earnings. Are they different than the regular growth earnings, or what's the deal on that? I appreciate the show. I'll listen for your answer on the podcast. Thanks.
1: So the dividends in a Roth and a regular IRA, the dividends are in the Roth and the regular IRA, so whatever paid in dividends is still there, you can reinvest them wherever you want inside the Roth IRA. When you withdraw that money in a, uh, in a regular IRA, that money is taxed as income for the, uh, the year that you withdraw it. For dividends in a Roth IRA, is treated just like anything else. You're never taxed on that money. Never taxed as long as it stays forever. It's the Roth. You don't have to pay taxes on Roth. Okay? So there's no taxes on the dividends.
6: Hey,
4: Stephen, Justin, a little bit of a different question for you. Would just love your kind of personal
5: opinion or philosophy on splurging on yourself. So we do a great job of kind of checking all the boxes we max out our 401ks we max out our Roth IRAs we have our kids college savings in place we have a bridge account in place so kind of check all the boxes and still have to lucky enough to have some
4: disposable income at the end but I do personally have a hard time of getting out of the mentality of continuing to accumulate savings and things like that and don't think we always spend enough on ourselves so we just kind of love your philosophy
5: or opinion on that and how you go about that or recommend people to kind of change their mindset into actually spending some time thanks and look forward to listening on the podcast i love this call love this question different talks more about personal finance which is frankly just as important actually sorry it's more important than the investment side i know the investment side's more interesting but the personal finance savings and spending habits are far more important to achieving your goals. Now, it's great that you're maxing out your retirement accounts, you're saving consistently, and you have some more disposable income. Now, the first thing I would say is, have you built out a financial plan to know that, okay, if I save this amount consistently, I am going to have enough to retire by when I want to. Now, by the sounds of it, you probably will, right? You're maxing all that stuff out. It doesn't sound like you're a big spender, but maybe you want to retire when you're 45. You know, uh, it, it, everyone's a little bit different. So first off, I would say you need to build that financial plan to know where you're headed and what your financial picture sh- is likely to look like at retirement, whatever that age might be. Now, once you've done that and you say, "Okay, I'm on a good path," and based on you know a million scenarios, you know, we do Monte Carlo simulations for for our clients that you will be on track. I actually think you should spend on yourself. You work hard. You've been disciplined. You're saving correctly. And you have to, life is about enjoying it, not just about counting your, counting your money. You want to do things that make you happy, whether that is traveling, maybe that's just splurging on your children or maybe grandchildren or cousins or nephews, nieces and nephews, whatever that is. Maybe you have a hobby. That you want to get into. Or do more of. I absolutely think you should do that. Now I always say. It's about. The the important aspect of spending. Is not wasting it. And a lot of people think. Oh well I'm not getting anything for. Say a trip for example. But I don't think it's a waste. Making good memories. Deeper connections with family and friends. I think are very important. To the human spirit. And. I encourage you to do all of those things. The things that make you feel alive, make you feel fulfilled are even more important than all of this. And when it comes to physical things, I actually say, don't buy the cheapest. (laughs) I've kind of learned that lesson. You know, you pinch pennies, you go buy the, the, the cheaper version. What I always say is just buy stuff that you're going to use. That's the lesson I've always come, come out with spending is you can go buy something that looks the cheapest and looks like a good deal. Let's just say that looks like a good deal. And that's what people oftentimes use to make their spending decisions. Is that a good deal? I don't think of it that way. I say, is this something that I need that I will use regularly that won't sit on the shelf? When you can do that, then you can go buy the expensive version of it because it's going to last longer. You're going to be more fulfilled out of it. So that's kind of the lesson I've, I've learned. Hope that helped.
0: Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice. Or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security? Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.